views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Welcome to this broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio. Today's date, it's a Wednesday night, of course, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. We try to be on every week. Uh, last week, I had to take a break, so that was on me. And I was just thanking my co-hosts and co-producers for allowing me to recharge my batteries. But we're back again live on this Wednesday night. Today's date is June the 5th, 2018, our first broadcast in the month of June. Tonight, we will host an open forum on topics and issues related to prison slavery and felony disenfranchisement in the United States. Of course, New Abolitionist Radio is hosted by former prisoner Tyson McCullum, activist Mother Khadijah, both of Prison Street Talk Ministries, and also former prisoner and Grammy-nominated music artist Maxwell Melvins of the Lifers Group and Black Talk Radio Network founder, yours truly, Sky T. Reed. So welcome in to another broadcast. I hope that this program will share constructive information with you. Let me go to the phone lines and, and welcome in my co-hosts and co-producers. Good evening, everyone. What's up? Good, good evening. Good evening. All right. All right. Uh, listen, before we uh, start talking about uh, different issues or, or topics uh, that may have caught our eye over the past week, um, is there anything that y'all have coming up, um, any events that you'll be hosting or, or helping to host, uh, any fundraisers coming up, anything that y'all want to let the people know about or anything that y'all had passed? I know one of our form, former um a previous guest, the brother from Charlotte, uh, helped me out. I didn't forgot his name already. The brother from Detroit, um, who does the Angel Book Project, um, didn't he have his car wash? And how did that go? If y'all know, that went pretty well. That's um, brother Christopher Pastor, and he was raising money for the Angel Book Project um, in the South Park area. And that project actually, they get tablets for chronically ill children to inspire them to be authors and just publishers of their own work. And he'll be doing a series of these event car washes probably once a month in different areas of Charlotte. And to bring awareness to not just his organization, but just how serious illness is within children. So that's something that, you know, we were proud to be part of. 
And of course he I'm sorry, but of course he was featured on the program because he's a former prisoner. And I would you know, things are tough out there for former prisoners, but some people do overcome the odds against them, and I would say he's one of those who overcame the odds because the deck is the deck is stacked against them. Right, and he and he overcome a lot of trauma that he had to overcome, and I, you know, getting himself involved with the nonprofit, you know, where you're around people that's more grateful, especially chronically ill children that make you get a new perspective on life. So. People can change. People can channel their aggression and their anger into something positive, and that's what he's trying to promote. Is because you have a felon or a strike on your record doesn't mean you can't do positive things and, and have a still an impact in society. Right, right. So, do Prison Street Talk Ministries got anything coming up? Actually, we do. We've got a um, a celebrating life fashion show June thirtieth here in Charlotte in the Noda area. Um, this event is specifically for cancer and domestic violence survivors. We we want to do something different. We don't want to wait to the month that they honor this because cancer and domestic violence happens every day, along with other issues. And we've got Commissioner Mark Jarrell, Mecklenburg County Commissioner Mark Jarrell speaking. We have Jennifer Blue, who's a domestic violence advocate. She actually was on the show a few weeks back um, with her award-winning playwright, um, Easier Said Than Done. We've got domestic violence advocate from the Speakers Bureau, Deborah Denise Wooler, coming. Um, author Shalaki Edwards. We've got performances from two young gentlemen, Prince Navon and Prince Charming, and feature model Michelle Washington. We've got a lot going on here, a lot of support. And that's what we're about. We're about supporting the community, especially when people are going through tragedy. And it's just nice to come together so we can celebrate life. And that's June 30th, which is the last Sunday of the month. And we hope everyone can come out. And if you can't come out, definitely, you know, get a ticket on TicketLeak.com under Celebrating Life to support the cause because proceeds do go back to the cancer and domestic violence survivors. Yeah, they can get that ticket to someone else who can make it, you know. Exactly. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah. Maxwell, I know before yeah. we came on air, you was telling me, man, and then, you know, you had told me, uh, share some of the promos with me some from the other programs you had appeared on, but you've been kind of busy appearing on radio programs, spreading information, man. You got anything oh, yeah, coming yeah. up? Nah, as of right now, no, nah, I just got off of, uh, uh, Fire Flame, Fire Nation just now, the firing squad. I just, you know, was just on there just now. And as you know, last Thursday, I was up in New York with Slick Rick, the ruler. You know, we had a panel discussion on uh, enforcing, you know, for ex-offenders and, you know, up at the Queens Library. And that went really well, you know. As of right now, I don't have any speaking, you know, right now. For right now, I don't have any uh, thing coming up. I'm sure something's going to come up, but at this very moment, you know, other than, you know, continuously working on the Die Jim Crow project, you know. Uh, right now, you know, we're working on that music still. So, you know, that's where I'm at right now, you know. And, um, you know, but I'm always trying to, you know, get into something, do something, you know, always. Right, right. All right, let's jump yeah. in. Uh, let me give out the telephone number in case any listener wants to share some information, uh, weigh in on any topic, bring something to our attention. Yeah, because we need we need to hear something from them sometimes. The listeners can also offer us information, things that we may not know or something to call in or something. 
some something that we speaking of, they might be able to provide us with some information. So you know, some of them are there, some of them scared to speak up sometimes. But there's no dumb question or anything. I want them to feel free to ask me or whoever anything they want to ask. I'll answer for them, you know. Right, 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056, uh, hit the star key twice, uh, that'll let me know that you're not just listening on the line, as some people do that, but it'll let me know that you do have a question or comment. So, let's jump into some of these topics. Uh, Maxwell, um, was there yeah. anything that caught your eye uh, this week in, in terms of, um, you know, stuff dealing with, with prison slavery and the collateral consequences of felony uh, disenfranchisement? No, other than, you know, I'm just looking at the governor of uh, Nevada just uh, granted those people all their revoting rights back, and that can have, like, you know, uh, a great impact. You know, he gave all their votes back, you know, allow them to vote, except the ones that are actually still in prison. But, you know, that's 77,000 uh, 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 people with, uh, you know, records or something that they're going to allow to vote. And by them being able to vote, that can have a, a, a major impact on the system itself if those persons would actually get out there and use that right that they was given. They don't understand there's uh, power in numbers. Right. And, and it's power in their vote. Yeah. If you use it wisely, but you know, so yeah. Maxwell, I had Congress. You know, we're not going to agree with people in our community on everything. And I got some yeah. associates, they don't really believe in voting, or they say giving your energy to the system through voting and stuff like that. And yeah. I, I, I'm just not of the same mind on them because yeah. I was like, if voting didn't matter. They would let everybody vote and never strip anybody of their voting right. They wouldn't care if prisoners in prison voted. They wouldn't exactly. care if felons voted. There's got to be a reason why they take the vote away uh, from people who've been in prison. Um, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on it, Tyson or Mother Khadijah? Do you think voting matters? Most definitely voting matters, man, because it gives people an opportunity to feel and be a part of something, man. Especially when you then took something that we were supposed to be a part of for years for years and years. You know, God gave us all a voice. You know, and he all gave us the freedom and the will to be able to act on our own and be able to decide and make decisions on our own. So when that was when our voice was challenged many, many, many years ago, and then for today, when you say things has been changed and for all the hard labor and the work that our ancestors put in, you still silencing our voice. It's crazy. It's it just, it's just, it's just, you know, it's like, all right, when are we going to really fully be able to have a voice, bro? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when? So, you know, that's, that's the thing that raised through my mind. It's like, um, you know, I, if I pay my debt, debt to society or whether... I'm still paying my debt, or if you incarcerate me and I'm paying my debt, why don't I have a voice? You charge me with from 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 the capital that you make off of me as if I have a voice, but why can't I have a voice when I'm paying all the penalties that need to be paid, fines, um, you know, facing my time, um, working in the kitchen or 
working the grounds, the, the maintenance, to keep up the facility, but I still don't have a voice. So it's like, these are what the brothers and sisters go through inside the penitentiary. It's like, all right, you know, if if, if you don't want to work a job, you know, they penalize you mm-hmm. in, in, in these you know, institutions. If You know, it's mandatory for you to either have a job or go to school if you don't have your GED in federal penitentiary. So if you don't have a job, you get a write-up, you can go to whole, all, all these type of things. Mm-hmm. So basically you're telling me if I don't want to work for you because you're not treating me right, I'm still going to get penalized. And if I work for you, I still ain't making nothing. It's just man, you're slave. Right, right. And, and I think we've you already know, I, established. You know, you know, like, like, for real, Brother brother Scotty and um, Maxwell, brothers and sisters are making the same wages that people in China make to make sneakers. Ain't that crazy? It's crazy. Uh, it's crazy, but those people in China also have ed- have access to uh, quality education, have access to health care. All the things that are being denied to American citizens behind bars. And just because you go behind bars doesn't mean, it shouldn't mean that you're no longer a citizen. Especially, um, and we've established this uh, before, that if you take a prison job, they're taking taxes out. And that's what I say to people who are not even in prison about voting. But you pay your taxes, though, don't you? And your taxes is getting spent by those people who was voted in office. So, you know, you're not taking ownership of something you're paying for, and that makes no sense to me, whether the vote go, you know, the race goes the way you want it to go. But, Khadijah, remind me of the guest that you had brought on um, the brother who who worked behind the scenes so long, but then just started to come to the forefront and won a seat on the Mecklenburg County Board. What was his name? Mark Jarrell, Mecklenburg County Commissioner. He just got sworn in December of last year. And that brother is doing a lot of community advocacy himself with homelessness and the elderly. And, you know, he understands how it, how it works. He understands the politics that go behind making legislative laws and doesn't make it right, but at the same time, there's only so much we can do right now, but doesn't mean we can't speak up and be a voice to those behind the wall, those that, that feel like that they their voice doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And everybody's voices matter as long as you're a citizen of this United States, and that's the thing. It's unconstitutional to tell someone, oh, because you're locked up, you have no rights. You you your opinion doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair, and, and, and it's really illegal. So how can we change that? So, right. what steps do we need to take to change the, the 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 mindset that look, this is an illegal act of the law? What what do we need to do to make sure all states are on board because we all are citizens at the end of the day? Well, one of the things we're doing right now, and that's educating the public and trying to change public opinion, because public opinion is is that if you get locked up, you're 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 an animal. You know, you should be treated. You should be mistreated and what have you. We got to change that mindset. Of course, um, there's a lot of other work that needs to be put in to change that. But I believe it does start with public education and winning hearts and minds to to see human beings as human beings. And just because some may have made a mistake, but there are so many who are who have been wrongfully uh, convicted. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think public education changing 
uh, winning hearts and minds is key, but then you got to get get uh, the support politically. And that's why I appreciated Mr. Jarrell coming on because, you know, a, a person who has been elected to office, they may feel some kind of way and be hesitant about coming on a program like New Abolitionist Radio. But he came on and he spoke his mind and, he, you know, we were pretty much in agreement that this is legalized slavery and human trafficking and we need to bring it to an end. So I really appreciate it. Um, you know, Mr. Jarrell uh, uh, coming on because a lot of politicians will not do that. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, they will not. You know, it's important that they come on, too. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's very important. And, and Scotty, it's very important that the voters and everybody know what their platforms are, what they're running on. Mm-hmm. Now, look, you got Joe Biden, right? They call him the biggest crack man in the world. Because, you know, he put so many people up the river. Now, he's jumping out here like he ain't never did anything wrong. And, you know, he voted on every crime bill there was to, to, to push it and push it from the early 80, uh, 97 and stuff. It was Joe Biden. Maxwell, you know? Maxwell, he did uh, more than just. Yeah. He did more than just vote. He wrote a lot of it. He was the author of much yeah, of that yes, legislation. That's, yeah, that's, yes. yes, he was, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yes, he was He was the author. He headed the committee also. Yes. Him and uh, uh, former uh, Bill Clinton and uh, uh, Hillary Clinton, they, they are the ones that really people thought he was the people's president, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton wasn't no people's president. He wasn't really considered when he was misleading the people to believe he was a people president. Look what he was doing behind the scenes in all these crime law bills. Right. That's why he got all these prisons that he got right now to this day. Mm-hmm. And the construction world loved him. Wall Street loved him. The construction company, private construction company that was building them loved him. You know, Biden was confronted recently on that issue of all these prisons. And Mm -hmm. he he tried to pass the buck and say, oh, those are state issues. That was going on at the state. But no, no, Mr. Biden, that federal legislation Mm -hmm. provided the money and incentivized the states to build those prisons. Yes, it happened in the states. But they, in order to get the money, they had to build them and houses, and yes, it was. He still, it wasn't on the state that they did that. As you said, the federal Biden did that. He can't put that on the states. Nah, nah, that was yeah, nah, that wasn't the state. That was on them. That was on Biden. You know. Yeah, they and, set uh, the they tone. Really got this, yeah, they got the system twisted right now. You know. Now, speaking now what would be great? What would be great, Scotty? If Biden would do what former governor uh, Jerry Brown did in California. What's that? You know, uh, well, he was in a, he was the, one of the longest serving governors in the thing. And all the tough laws and three strike laws and all them things that they implemented, he was one of the only politicians to serve out all that time in there and to be able to go and undo all the bad that he did as far as it pertained to a lot of that legislation. He changed it. Yes, he Back. he did. You're right. You're right. I do remember. So he's the only one. Yeah, he's one of the only ones in history was served long enough to go. What he messed up, he went in and corrected the majority of it before he left. But I'm not hearing that so, from Biden. I'm hearing from Biden excuses and yeah, I didn't do no. anything wrong. 
Yeah, I know. That's what most. That's what. Yeah, that's what he said. He ain't do nothing wrong. Yeah, that's and his thing. He ain't do nothing wrong. He was the most damaging there was. Yeah, it's a reason I feel and, and like. Wanted, yeah. I, there's yeah. a reason I feel like the system. When I say the system, I'm talking about uh, U.S. corporate media, and I'm talking about the Democratic Party, the big, you know, big hey. money donors and whatnot. There's a reason yeah. why they trying to uh, uh, force feed this man to us. Hey, hey fellas, to, to, to be honest, he wasn't even the president. The most damaging person was Rudy Giuliani. Most nah, nah, he wasn't. He, he was one of the worst, worst damaging nah. persons. Well, yeah, he, he, he was one of the worst. He was one. Of, he was one of the worst, bro. Yeah, yeah. Giuliani was bad, but Giuliani, outside of working as a U.S. Uh, attorney at one time. You know, he did most of his damage in New York City as the yeah, um, New York, right? Yeah, That's a at, fact. as That's the mayor. Well, but but, talking, see, but you know what? Biden. Some of the they other states started started adopting that show. Yeah, but but he still he did. You know, he was notorious for what he did and stuff. But Biden uh, sure. affected all fifty some states. Yeah, what he did affected every state. You know, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, like right now, look what everybody's doing right now in the prison in the prison pipelines. Who the prison pipelines? Uh, undo this prison reform, juvenile justice, and you know, and they're talking about building more youth centers right now in, in, in New Jersey for these youth. And you know, it's just you know, it's like the same thing. And the reason that a lot of this legislators uh, legislate get passed is because. They have companies that get lobbyists, and they get certain assemblymen or different people to sponsor certain bills that pertain to something. I might have a investment in uh, like halfway houses, just as when the first step act came out, and the geo group and them supported it because now mm-hmm. they help with the legislation because they're gonna have all the returning center now. So of course, before they were right. going into the prison, now they're taking apart the other one that they know all these hundreds and hundreds of millions are there now. They're taking the other side now. Let's let them out. The ones we got in there, yeah, but now you got them coming out now. We can get that dough too. Yeah, yeah, the so, uh, ankle monitoring companies. Yeah, let them out. And we'll just slap our ankle monitoring uh, on their ankle mm-hmm. and then we'll make them pay for yeah. it too. Exactly. You know, so, you know, like I'm saying, it's, it's just still a form of slavery is still Scotty is still an attachment they still have an attachment on that chain mm-hmm. to keep you as long as they can yes sir it's just being done in a different way right now that's true that's true you know? and we had to be we we had to yeah. be cognizant of not accepting what they give us because they're going to give us the least amount. When the people rise up and they demand change, which people have been rising up over the past mm-hmm. five, ten years, and so the system yeah. finds a way to give them some change, but very little yeah. of that change. And then, you know, yeah. like you like you were saying, you know, yeah, that's the first step act, but, you know, it should only be a first step. Because, <laughs> you know, yeah. you got many, many, many more steps to take before we have a system of yeah. justice. But you got to remember this, too, Scotty. That was the first step back. But people are taking charge in their own states now. You remember the, the first step back? 
mm-hmm. only applied to federal prisoners. That's true. That's very true. Very important. It point. only applied to federal prisoners, man. And you know, like some of the people didn't understand that. Now you talking about people with these minor offenders getting their records cleared and everything. And I think it's just as important for any other uh, uh, former um, uh, offender Mm -hmm. to, you know, have their records uh, expunged. Like, you got certain crimes in uh, Pennsylvania also. um, And, uh, you know, now they're trying to get the bill sponsored as a national bill. A clean act where they clean your record, and then you got California's pushing real hard out there with the time done uh, program. Once you've done your time, you know, and this stuff is getting passed, why do you still have all these attachments and collateral consequences? And you're talking about why people are going back in the system again when you got all these roadblocks up, preventing them from going out there getting housing and different things. You got a lot of former uh, ex-prisoners that are homeless, man, and coming out and can't get housing and different things, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's still so much going on, Scotty. It's still so much. I mean, there's being changed, not at the pace it should, but people are starting to uh, take uh, action. And now they also realize there's a lot of money in this mass incarceration to undo it. Mm. You know? Yeah. It's like both ways, Scotty. They got us locked in on, no matter how you look at it, you're locked in the system some kind of way. Right. You know? And just. I just want to interrupt you quick just so that we're on the same topic. I was reading an article in the Washington Post regarding, um, I think it's talking about incarcerated prisoners from D.C. could have their mm-hmm. voters' right restored because the, the councilmen there in D.C. are trying to make D.C. the first jurisdiction to restore voters' rights while they're incarcerated. They're trying oh, while they're trying to restore while they're incarcerated because they agree that they don't lose their citizenship while they're incarcerated. So they yeah, shouldn't yeah. lose their right to vote. So yeah. I think tomorrow they're going to make a decision on that. So that yeah. way, D.C. would be the first jurisdiction to restore voters' rights amongst prisoners that are incarcerated. Well, so. the only thing I would say to that, though, is I don't know if they will be the first unless Maine and no, Vermont have always been that way. Because I think it has yeah. always... So it could be that D.C. will be the first to restore, because I'm not sure Maine yeah, and Vermont's yeah. Constitution has because always allowed are, them. There are a couple states that now do it, that do permit them. Uh, you just said, Brother Scott, there's a couple states, but like you just said, like as far as restoring it now, they may be the first. Right, right. And, and, and New York did too. I thought New York did also. Uh, I know that there's, there's D.C. and 14 other states. They restore voters' rights once they're released from prison. They're trying, D.C. Yeah, trying yeah, to do it yeah. while they're locked up still. Yeah. So they would, uh, I guess, be the first ones to accomplish that if they pass that bill yeah, while they're incarcerated. Because, and that's that's huge yeah, yeah, for the capital to pass that, yeah. yeah. Scotty, you talking about that before in there, and they were saying that the officers would have certain control over guys and telling them who to vote and how to date that vote. Yeah, that's what that yeah, that's what somebody was somebody else was yeah, saying. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be trying to intimidate them. You know, you know, but now them guys who who they want to put anything about them people. You know? Yeah. 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 But it's a it's a lot of different things 
I want to talk about something positive, and I see we got a caller on the board. I'm not sure if you're just listening, but you are welcome to just listen. But anytime you want to chime in, uh, just hit the star key twice on your keypad, and that'll let me know. And, you know, we're having an open forum tonight and just, you know, talking about topics affecting prisoners and former prisoners in general. But I do want to talk about this story real quick. Um, it's coming to you. This is from USA Today, and Illinois is posed uh, to legalize cannabis sales and expunge criminal records for pot crimes. Now, let me, and there's some important stuff that's going on here. And, and so, but I agree with Maxwell, though, that it shouldn't just be, expungement shouldn't just be limited to pot possession, you know, because they're talking about expunging the criminal records of people convicted of minor pot possession. It says state lawmakers gave final approval to the bill on Friday, so that was last Friday, and Governor J.B. Pritzker said he will sign the measure, which makes Illinois the first state to legalize cannabis sales via its legislature. Because in the other states, that was citizens getting a ballot initiative to legalize. That happened in California, Colorado, all the other states. Uh, um, the, the people put that on the ballot and it went before the voters, but it's saying here that Illinois will be the first state that legalized it through their legislature. It says most other states that have legalized cannabis did so via ballot initiative process. Vermont's legislature legalized cannabis but prohibited commercial sales. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, how, why are you going to legalize something and, and, and then but prohibit uh, commercial sales? I mean, that's what What are you saying? I don't understand that. What, that's like endorsing street sales or what, what not. So I, um, I don't know about that. It says that this will have a transformational impact on our state, creating opportunity in the communities that need it most and giving so many a second chance, Prisker said in a statement. In the interest of equity and criminal justice reform, I look forward to signing this bill. Now, the other thing that it does, though, is it also gives those who have had those convictions first shot at getting yeah. business licenses, which I think is also very important. Any thoughts? panel yeah well new, yeah new jersey would have been the first it's still pending in new jersey now what they just said it was a commentary on it i read the other day that they don't want it to go to the polls where people did like they did in california they want the legislature to do it and they would new jersey would have been the first to do that scotty what you just said they would have been the first but it didn't pass you know they would have been the very first like as you said, like with other states, put it on the ballot and different things. They don't want that to happen in New Jersey right now. You know, they're still trying to iron out some things about it right now. You know, so it's still pending right now in New Jersey, also. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, you know, it's just you know, and since Scotty, you know, they're trying to legalize it because of the industry. Who do you think pushed to have that legal? Do you think it was the people? Do you think it was corporate? It was corporate. It was uh, lobbyists and all those people that are voting for that. Um, um, We do. Companies are also voting for it. Okay, this is is my answer to that. I think the people pushed it. 
Okay, I think mm-hmm. the people, because as the article stated, though, mostly all of the states that legalizes there uh, uh, so far um, have done so by ballot initiative. So that's that means that yeah. if I want to legalize cannabis and I'm in a state to where yeah. it, I can put something on the ballot during the upcoming election, yeah. if I get X amount of signatures to qualify to put it on yeah. the ballot, yeah. and then the voters approve it. So I, I would say yeah. that this initial push came from the voters, yeah. but then after there yeah. was a number of yeah. states where this was successful, then corporations yeah. and people with money yeah. saw it as, oh man, I, I need to get yeah. in early on this because it's going to be some yeah. money to be made in the future. Yeah. And so then they started pouring in resources to lobby for legalization. Those are my yeah. thoughts, Max. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, exactly. That's, that's exactly. The whole bottom line, man, is that if, if, if they can't make no money off of it, you ain't doing it. That's just the bottom line, man. I ain't going to sugarcoat it. They want money off of it. This is why they legalizing because it's too much being sold, and they ain't got a, they ain't getting a dime out of it. So if they can legalize it to where is that they getting a profit off of it and the most profit, well, you you ain't you ain't doing it. Tyson, let, let me let me let me point something out, or not really point something out. Okay, I don't want to put it in those words, but let me share share something with you. They were getting their cut. And this is how, and this even goes back to Joe Biden in the federal uh, asset seizures. How they yeah. were getting a cut is when they bust you, they take the money, they take the whatever drugs you had, and I believe that's, and it has been some cases. Yeah, that, but I, I, I'm talking about them legalizing it. By them legalizing it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a legal profit that they are receiving. I already know they was on doing search and seize and everything was going back and then they was redistributing it. We know that. Okay. You know what I'm saying? That's just the quicker part. That's just the crooked part of the government. That's just something that's been going on before they put more, put crack cocaine in our neighborhood and, and, and cocaine in our neighborhood. So what I'm saying is for them to legalize it and make it a, a legitimate progress and and for them to be able to see the benefits without keep covering it up and covering it up mm-hmm. they have they legalizing it now so therefore they can get it from the distributors and, and put tax on it. well yeah that's what i was so just now, about to say the tax the tax no, no, yeah. no, they want the tax money they right. want the tax money bro i'm on the same page you want right I'm right summing it up i'm just summing it up to what you're saying Without going through all the other stuff, listen, they've been getting money off of the streets for the longest. Because when hey, you got to remember, even everything that people do illegal out here, when they come get you, that money go back to them. Right. The money that you saved up go to the lawyers. The money that you saved up go back to the court and the fines and the fees. Right. The money that you that they seize from you when when they come to get you is is it's still all everything always going back to the government. Yeah. No but- matter what. But Tyson, let me ask you this, Tyson. Let me ask you this though. See, I think y'all were off. Y'all, you, y'all had some technical issues. But I'm glad y'all was able to get back in because you wasn't able to in the past. So hopefully, you know, we got this issue resolved. But what right. Maxwell asked me a question. He said, "Why? Where do you think the push for legalization came from? Did it come from the people 
or the corporations? And my answer was it came from the people first because the people are the ones that put it on the ballots. The politicians did not. And we know that's how corporations get things done right. is through the politicians. So the people put it on I the ballots. Uh, I, like, I feel like the people, the people want to enjoy what they want to enjoy. And when you have the people stating something and the majority rules, Mm-hmm. You're going to have the corporations backing them because the corporations see money. Right, right. Corporations ain't nothing but, but people who see money. When they see money, of course they're going to support the people and then they're going to begin to back the people because they see, oh, what the people are saying is beneficial to the corporation. Mm-hmm. Now we could dis- we could start dispensaries where we can grow this and the people is going to want it. That's just like back in the day, back in the late, what, what, 70s or 60s mm-hmm. is when they was putting cocaine and Coca-Cola on medicine and all that stuff, feeding it to the slaves. You know what I'm saying? But when they when they realized that it, it wasn't doing nothing for our people, it was making us disgruntled, rebellious, you know, and... and, and and see, I've seen the documentary on it. They started making bigger slugs because it wasn't hurting our people because of the way we was built. So mm-hmm. now, when when they seen that wasn't working, they took that away. But mm-hmm. they see that the effect that, you know, marijuana, calmness, um, helps with temperamental, help with um, cancer patients, it's all, it's all what you call a corporation, business, marketing, um, medicine, so of course they're going to back the people who want to be able to smoke their marijuana. Mm-hmm. You, you know, know, this is the way, is, I, way know, I feel. Most, if, if, if you take it to the street, if you take it to the street, most people are going to say, yeah, they want marijuana. You know, we, they enjoy it. It's something recreational. On, on Tando Radio Show, we shared a story about the pharmaceutical company saying that they was going to lose so many billions because of the legalization of cannabis. And so, you know, people, some people were saying that, well, see, this is why the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies want to legalize it. And I'm just not giving them that power. As long as they can lock up a black person or a brown person or or a non-white person, then they were making money off of them through legalized slavery. This system did not want to decriminalize. To me, the system did not want to decriminalize cannabis. I feel like we forced them, we the people forced them and said, this is unjust. This doesn't even make scientific sense. Because cannabis has medicinal properties. And then when they saw the way the wave was going, then you had other corporations jump in on it. But most of these marijuana dispensaries aren't owned by big corporations. These are relatively new companies and and mom and pop stores and and what have you. But listen. It's owned by by medical scientists. Yeah. Medical scientists who who, uh, distribute the um, miracle marijuana through cancer patients and things like that. They want you to have a card because they want you to go to the hospital to be able to qualify for um, medical marijuana. So now when you take that, when you take that from, of course you're going to have big corporations fighting with the little corporations over who should be able to have control. This, 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 the United States is built on who having control. 
who had the most money and who had the most lawyers. So of course, a corporation who been been focused on making billions of dollars for years is is, is do not do not want 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 other people to be able to focus on making money for it to be legal for them to have a mom and pop store like a candy store. Yeah, that's why I think this bill in Illinois isn't the only one to do it. But in this bill that the governor of Illinois is about to sign, it says that the people who have been convicted and locked up over this will have the first shot at the business licenses. And I think that's good. Right. Right. But, Scotty, you, you know what's crazy? What's why that? Why would you want to convict me? Why would you want to convict me or hold me accountable or herb that, 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 that the earth has given me. To continue slavery. It's not like, it's not like I went into a lab right. and cooked up something and disrupted mm-hmm. the factional function of what the earth has given me. Right. You know, I don't even smoke marijuana on, but I see the I see life for what it is. If, right. If I can grow grow something, that's just like me growing growing a vegetable. If I can go and grow a plant and make money off of it, what's the difference from me going to grow a goddamn tomato? Right. I, I feel you on that. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Listen, because we I'm, got I'm getting I'm getting I'm getting what the earth gives me. It's a seed. I'm getting what the earth gives me. Right. If I was able to, to grow plants in the beginning of time and be able to create something, that's just like that's just like going to Columbia and getting cocoa beans or getting the cocoa leaves and using that for coffee. It's only illegal if you take it into a lab and, and you know, add you, chemicals to it. Yeah. Yeah. Adding chemicals and whatnot. But listen, Tyson, I got one right. more article. We got like 19, well, less than 19, about 15 minutes left in the broadcast. And I think this is an important article I want to share with the audience and, of course, my fellow panelists. But there's a report that came out from Washington Post. It said, wrongful convictions have stolen at least 20,000 years from innocent defendants. The National Registry of Exonerations, NRE, will soon publish the second part of a study it commissioned of its database of all known. This is not the ones that they don't know about yet, but the ones that they know were false convictions in the United States since 1989. The NRE was kind enough to send this writer an advanced copy. Here are some of the highlights that's going to be in that report. The 2,265 exonerees in the NRE database served a combined 20,080 years behind bars. That's an enormous, enormous amount of wasted human potential. Now, 2,265, man, come on. We know it's more than that. Since if we want to take it back to convict leasing right after the Civil War, eh, man, it's, pro- it's probably close to a million, if not more, 
of wrongful uh, convictions. All right, the next point. In an accompanying and forthcoming law review article, George Washington University law professor Jeffrey Gutman looked at compensation for the wrongfully convicted between lawsuits and state statutes that award fixed compensation for wrongful convictions, state and municipal governments have paid out $2.2 billion to exonerees. That's about what Americans spend every year to fight indigestion. Of course, this is nowhere near the total cost of wrongful convictions. To calculate that, you'll need to look at how much it costs to investigate, convict, and imprison the wrong person and the effects of the wrongful conviction had on that person, his or her family, his or her community, and any crimes the real culprit committed after authorities apprehended the wrong suspect. Um, Next point, more than half the exonerees in the database have never been compensated. So they they owe reparations for prison slavery. Uh, Next point, in states that have statuses that dictate the sum to be paid to wrongly convicted, exonerees on average receive $69,000 per year in prison. Those who sue do better. They average more than $300,000 per year. But lawsuits are also much less predictable. I got three more points, and then I'll let the panel uh, jump in. Among the states that do have compensation statutes, Gutman ranks Mississippi as the most generous. Though in order to receive payment, exonerees there must also forego their right to sue the state for civil damages. But blue states, on average, pay out about 50% more to exonerees than red states. So for those that don't know, blue states is states that vote uh, Democrat put Democrats in office. Red states are those who choose Republicans. Uh, next two. Uh, as is often the case with the criminal justice system, race is a factor. Black people are more likely to be wrongfully convicted. They make up 12% of the population, but 46% of exonerees and collectively represent 56% of the life years lost to prison. Black exonerees also spend more time in prison before they're cleared and released. 10.7 years versus 7.4 years for white people wrongfully convicted and receive less compensation when they get out. On average, $42,000 less per year of incarceration as opposed as uh, compared to white uh, exonerees. Here's the last point. Perhaps counterintuitively, exonerees who falsely confessed had both a higher rate of victory when suing for damages and collected more money when they won. Many of the states with compensation statutes refused to pay exonerees who falsely confessed on the justification that they contributed to their own conviction. It is true that juries are more likely to rule against the state and award more money once they hear about how such confessions are obtained. Perhaps such hard and fast rules are wrong-headed. And to that point, you know, there's a documentary, uh, Abraham DeVonay, about the Central Park Five, um, because remember, all all of those uh, teens at the time um, um, made confessions that were coerced. Guys, y'all have any thought on this? This blew my mind when, you know, I looked at it in those terms, you know, uh, just at least 20,000 years from innocent, Defendants. Thoughts? 
Well, my, I have a thought on the whole thing. Um, you know, Congress really has to reclassify how they actually write a lot of the things in order to legalize. Um, you know, we're, if we're trying to, let's say, for example, expunge the records of minor marijuana charges, and I'm going to go back to that comment, they have to restructure how cannabis is written in the law. They have to lower the classifications, and I think they have to do that on a regulated basis with a lot of other laws in order for it to fall under a federal level. So, again, it goes back to Congress. They have to vote to make sure that they lower classifications. But it's really sad how... Um, wait, wait a minute, Khadijah. Wait a minute, Khadijah. Um, a president can do that without Congress because the DEA falls up under the executive branch because Obama caught a lot of heat because he refused to order the DEA to take kind of uh, cannabis off of the scheduled list of drugs, which they say it's on par with with crack and heroin and LSD and all of that. So I, I just wanted to make that point that they can do that remove the classification from the scheduled list of DEA drugs without Congress. A president can do it. Right, right. But is he going to? No. Not this president. Hey, who knows if we can push him and and say, hey, man, if you don't do this, do that. I, I, I believe anybody can can be pushed to do anything. And then also, you know, I'm a spiritual person. I believe God can work through anybody. You never know where that help might might come from. But I would agree with you. It's highly unlikely he would do something like that. Any any thoughts on all the wrongful convictions and and um this report that'll be coming out soon, the highlights. I mean, that's when you think of because again, this goes to the demonization process of prisoners. We know some people commit crimes and, and they're in prison. Maxwell has told me, you know, and he said it on the program. Some people belong in prison. But then a lot of people don't want to recognize the huge amount of wrongful convictions that this system generates. Correct. And you made a comment um, regarding the cannibalization of laws and that. It's actually according to the AC. The ACLU's original analysis, they say that marijuana arrests actually accounts for over half of all drug arrests in, in America. And according to this report, it's 8.2 million marijuana arrests that happened between 2001 and 2018. And that's 88% just having a simple marijuana charge. So that's a statistic, 8.2 million. That's how many people have been arrested on a, on a minor marijuana charge. And it That's has a, a cost to the taxpayers. I wonder what the financial costs of arresting them, investing, wow. you know, and then prosecuting them. And even if they didn't go to trial, you know, they still had to go through a plea bargain process. That costs taxpayers money. For, yeah, for, but you know what? That statistic mentioned nationwide. I didn't mean to cut you off, Scotty. It says, according to the data, the arrest data, uh -huh. the consistent trend they had was a significant racial bias. Right. Because they say, despite roughly the equal usage rate, blacks are three point seven three percent times more likely than whites to be arrested for marijuana. Mm. So according to their own statistics, they're showing it's racial bias forces. So they're targeting specific communities to make money off our communities, mm. and that's an issue. And that's been going on. They say since two thousand one, twenty eight to twenty two. So basically, almost ten years. Mm. So now, what more than that? 
So if, it, if it's on data, it's 8.2 million marijuana arrests. It's more than that, actually, because that's just what they have mm. on paper. Mm. Uh, hey, hey! here's something I just pulled from this article on wrongful convictions. And they was talking about the $2.2 billion paid out to uh, people uh, who were wrongfully convicted. But it says the money almost always comes from public treasuries or at least from municipal insurers, not from the public officials responsible. Now, see, here's a very important thing he this author wrote. For real deterrence, and again, we're talking about wrongful convictions. If you want to deter the system from wrongfully convicting people, he says we need consistent accountability for police and prosecutors whose misconduct sends innocent people to prison. Police are protected by qualified immunity, um, you know, and there are a bunch of states that give them that immunity no matter what they do. And prosecutors are shielded by absolute immunity, even in cases where they have been shown to have committed egregious misconduct, such as manufacturing evidence. That, that has to come through the legislature. Well, it got quiet. We still got everybody on the line. No, because no, think about it. That's alarming. That's really alarming. That, And, you know, you look at all the news about people who are falsely in prison and they done spent over an average of, what, 13 years locked up for a crime they didn't commit. And, you know, according to a lot of the wrongful conviction statistics in just America, it's almost 2,100 people that have been exonerated since 1989 for a crime they didn't commit. And that's 2,100 people. So imagine how many more people locked up that shouldn't be locked up. Hey, but you know, you know the real reason why people are getting incarcerated because when you take when you take these people to trial, right? They're not going to spend all that money on on you going to trial and don't get a conviction out of it. That's why the conviction. That's one of the reasons why the conviction rate is so high because. By you not taking a plea bargain and trying to actually fight your case, whether you've proven your innocence or not, see, there's no liberty. You know what I'm saying? Just like that statue of liberty they have with the blind liberty and all that, that is real because justice is blind. So when, when you're actually innocent and you're trying to prove your case, they don't care. They, 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 the prosecutor's whole job is to make sure that they can get a conviction to be able to get the money back that they spent on you going to trial. Well, Tyson, if they use, if they use like, like, you know, if they setting people up and manufacturing evidence to get a conviction where they know it's, it's wrong. and, and it's hiding wrong, stuff, they should go to jail for that. Don't you think that should be a crime right. and they should be, uh, be prosecuted? You, you absolutely. Absolutely, they should go to jail. I've been through it. So as I've long as they it. have, as long as the police and the prosecutors have immunity, I don't think we're going to see a drop in wrongful convictions. Nah, we, we're we not ever going to be able to, listen, the police is a game. They're going to stick together. The prosecutor, the police, they're going to stick together. They've been a game since our ancestors were getting beat by it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So... It, that that's something that's going to be a hard work in progress trying to change because at the end of the day, how many how many children or how many people you didn't seen killed by these people and they ain't get convicted and they was in the wrong, one hundred percent wrong. 
Mm-hmm. We had a man out here in 2016 in Charlotte who got shot and had a book in his hand for taking his child to school. Then they try to place a throwaway by the man's body to say he had a gun. With the audio or the video, his wife got $60 million because of the wrongful death of her husband. Yeah, I think you're talking about Keith husband. Lamont. Is that Was that his name, Keith Lamont? Yeah, the, the man who took his daughter to school. Yeah, that was Keith, Keith Lamont. Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. But, but. 2016. Yeah. So, but listen. He didn't have a gun. He had a book in his hand. Listen, we, we uh, come to the end of the program. And just for those that don't know, we do an hour long program. We don't do two hours. Maybe sometime in the future, we'll go back um, to doing two hours. But we come to the end of the broadcast. Um, I want to give the panel an opportunity to give any closing remarks as we close it out. And I just appreciate all y'all input, you know, on the things that we discussed tonight, you know, cause especially Max and Tyson, y'all have that lived experience. I've been in jail, but I've never been to prison and I don't want to go to prison, you know, but you know, this still is an issue that's important to me. And that's why I'm an abolitionist. I shouldn't have to wait till something happened to me to want to stop it from happening to other people because it could happen to me down the road. Who knows? But anyway, let's go around the table. Let's let's go ladies first. Mother Khadijah, you have any final comments for the well, listeners? Well, thank you, first of all. Scotty, you are awesome to allow us to have this platform every week. I mean, I know it's tiresome every week, but to allow us to be able to address some of these issues, concerns, and and provide resources to the community is important. So, again, thank you for allowing us to have a platform. And thank you, Maxwell, for always being on here. I know you're tired. You have a lot of things going on. But this is why we do what we do. You know, nobody's getting paid to do what we do. This is why we're, we're stressing the importance of making sure we keep these programs funded so that we can help educate people on how do we become a voice? What are the laws? What steps do we, do we take? If shoes on the other foot, you'd want someone to help you. And that's why we have this program, you know, just to speak the truth and, and try to find justice for those that are wrongfully incarcerated. Find out what we have to do as individuals, evolutionists, and just making sure that we stay on track and don't give up because it's really stressful when you don't have the support. So this is when, like you say, be spiritual and rely on God. And I just wanted to thank everyone for just, just allowing us to have this opportunity and open up America's eyes and, and international just, you know, in order for us to make a change, we have to be that change. We can't wait on someone to make a change. We have to stand up and do something about it. And so I just wanted to say that as my final thought. Thank you. Brother Tyson. Tyson. Are you there? Yeah, my my fine, my like I said, man, my my final thoughts will never change, man. My thoughts about all the things that's going on is still be, being discriminated against our folks. It's a tragedy. At the same time, like Martin Luther King said, man, we will overcome, and we're gonna overcome these oh these God. these tragedies, but we gotta overcome them together. And at the same time, like it's like this, man. What don't kill us only make us stronger, man. And we and we are we are strong black people, and we can get over anything, man. But it takes a village, it takes a village um, to raise a family, man. And it and it takes the, it takes the people that that's not afraid to be able to speak out about the injustice, 
about the things that we need to still, you know, prosper on. We we have to prosper. We have to prosper because if we can't prosper, we can't we can't set a foundation for our future. Right. So we gotta continue right. fighting the fight to be able to, for our children to be able to, to grow on and be strong. The same way Martin Luther King did it for us, man, and 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 the other sisters and the soldiers who provided a way for us to be able to have the little future we do have, we are the voices now. And we have to keep on speaking on and carrying on mm-hmm. because you know what? We got little ones that we need to succeed. Amen. And we're going to get it right. No matter how long it takes, we have to put our little sisters and brothers in training so they can continue this fight when we can't fight no more. But I ain't never gonna fight. I ain't never gonna stop fighting to my dying breath. And that's just real talk, man. I love you, brothers, man. And I wish all of us the best success. I wish our radio station the best success. I wish that all our viewers and all the people who pay attention to us understand what it is that we got going on because it's most important to be able to pay attention to your society because we got to understand. The power of propaganda is what what deterred the people. Is what is what got the people caught up, man. With them knowing the the can visionary of of propaganda, man, is what set us back. Using the, the media to deteriorate deteriorate us and to take the power from us. Now we have a choice. We got a choice to have the media be able to build us back, and we got to use this media to reform our nation. And what I mean by reform our nation is reform the rights to the black community, the rights that we were supposed to have been had. And and that's just a, that's just the bottom line, man. That's the bottom line, man. I love you brothers, man. And I thank y'all for having me a part of the show. I love being with y'all. I love conversating with y'all because these are on severe topics and a life experience that had to get me to get me on the path that I'm now. All right. So thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, and love you, too. Um, brother yes, Maxwell, sir. final thoughts. Yes, sir. I'm right here. My final thoughts is that, you know, I'm going to thank everybody for being a part of this, and, uh, you know, I look forward to, I would just like to encourage our listeners, those that do come on, you know, to encourage them, you know, to support this platform, and like we gonna get there, but we got to be there for each other. And I just want to say something. Uh, uh, I don't think we have the same degree of leaders that we had during the civil rights movement. I don't know if people are willing to sacrifice as much as those brothers and sisters and all of them sacrificed for us to be where we at today. Hmm. I don't know if yeah. they had that same breed out there anymore. I mean, they got some people fighting and stuff, but I don't think they had that same breed, you know? And it wasn't all this killing each other back then and stuff, you know, all this killing black on black crime and all this stuff. You didn't have all that. You might have had it, but to a level. And, like, these brothers and sisters and anybody out there got to put down them guns, man, and stuff, just killing each other for senseless things, man, about nothing, 
because of the way somebody hey, looks at you. Hey, brother Tyson, we over time right now, bro. I, you know I, yeah. I would love to let you speak, but we got to close it out, bro. Can you be yeah, real? Right. Okay. Um, most definitely next. Most definitely next week, guys. Most I, definitely. I would, to, I would love to ask Maxwell a question about what's the difference of of allowing white folks to bear arms versus taking arms from a black community who they always opposed of. What's the difference to let them bear? Uh, uh, what you mean? That's discriminatory. It's racist. Uh, uh, all right. Right. So that's right. my that's my point. Then. Okay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Why why would why would you take a people right? Because they know that, you know, also because you, we, are, hate. we are they oppressed hate. people. No, we are oppressed people. Yeah. And when you're oppressed No, yeah, and when you and when you are a oppressed person, you may respond in any way with bitterness, anger and everything. And they they are sometimes afraid that those people will use those weapons against them and they don't want that to happen. Right, they don't That's want right. they don't want you to get freedom the same way they allegedly got freedom from the British, yes. and that was yes. with what with the gun. But uh, listen, That's we got to right. get ready. So, to... so it's a, it's okay for them to smoke us. No, it's not okay. It, it's not okay. <laughs> it's not okay. No. Yeah. You can you can walk up on my property. Listen, I had a situation today. I'm gonna keep it brief. Me and my little brother riding in the car. Man was on coat telling us. This man got out the car and called us all type of niggas, you black motherfuckers, and all type of shit. Hey, Tyson, we gotta watch. We gotta watch your language, bro. I, I I know you know you speak the way you speak, but this a family program, okay? Yeah. Yes, sir. But I'm I'm just giving you a, the the comments that this man yeah. made. You know, it, it, I, I'm not I'm not trying to um first. This it was the language that this man was using to us, and they were like, "Wow." Well, that's why I say say to some people, you know, when I do a BTR news broadcast, that I'm broadcasting from behind enemy lines in a place that's still right. practicing slavery. But listen, we got to get out of here. Um, I appreciate all the support in the listeners. Check us out live next Wednesday. Again, we're on at 8 p.m. Eastern till 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern. And like Maxwell said, you know, if you if you have a question or comment, there's no stupid questions. Um, you know, we'll we'll break down the comments that you may have. If they're stupid comments, I'm not shy to tell you. Um, but there's no stupid questions and what have you. So, you know, um, please don't be shy. Call in and uh, let us know what's on your mind. Or if you're a former prisoner or you're out there working on behalf of prisoners and trying to end 21st century slavery and human trafficking and want to be a guest on uh, New Abolitionist Radio, you can reach out to any of the panelists. Hit us up on social media. Um, most people know my email. Um, um, uh, you could get at us at, uh, get at me at info at blacktalkmediaproject.org. So with that said, again, I want to thank the panelists for spending their time and sharing um, their views on the very important issues that we try to tackle week in and week out. And I'm with Brother Tyson. Until the day I die, 
until we have finally abolished slavery. I, I will not stop fighting, and I hope that others will join us in this fight. Peace and blessings yes, to all. I'm, I'm with it, man. I'm, I'm Peace. Peace. Freedom. 